the book of Mark. Why the gospel of Mark? Well, it's stories, and I want you to know all the stories. I want you to be familiar with the gospel. And I want to tell the gospel of Mark more as stories and so that you're very familiar with everything that happened with the life of Christ. And maybe you'll be hearing it for the 10th time. Maybe you'll be hearing it for the first time. But we'll all grow together, okay? Uh, so that's why I want uh, to study the book of Mark. It's, it's, first of all, it's the word of God. Secondly, it has the purposes of God, parables, prophecies. We'll cover everything in the gospel of Mark. So you want a little booklet. You want to take notes. You want to take down lines, not just for social media, but for your own uh, understanding. You want to write down at the end, what are you going to do about it? So you're really journeying with Jesus. You're journeying with Jesus, okay? I also have challenged you to listen to the whole gospel of Mark in one sitting with audio Bible or however. Listen and what or read the whole gospel of Mark in one, 16, uh, one sitting is just 16 chapters. So we want to walk around uh, Jesus's uh, disciples. We want to be around there. We want to be like paparazzi. We want to listen in and, uh, and understand what's going on and how did Jesus interact with people and what was his emphasis in his ministry. And we want to be absolutely familiar with the character Jesus and the disciples and the people he dealt with. Uh, please work with me on that and make this your personal journey. In fact, I also want to add a memory verse, not today, but from next time we'll have a memory verse that we attach to every week and we'll try and learn that memory verse together. Read the scriptures and learn the memory verse together, okay? Let's dive in. Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 15. <clears throat> it's on the screens, but you'll always be better off with your Bibles, and this is the ESV version. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he had come out of the water, he was baptized, when he had come out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens been torn open and the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit descending on him uh, and what looked like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. The angels were ministering to him. Now, after John, John the Baptist, we talked about him last week, and if you've missed that, it's on YouTube. You can go listen to it or on Spotify. Uh, now, after John was arrested, G Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel. John arrested, Jesus proclaiming, saying, this is the message, this is the gospel. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The time is? The kingdom of God. Repent and believe the gospel. This morning, Let's peg three uh, memories this morning. Jesus was confirmed by the Father. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus was compelled by the Holy Spirit, driven into the uh, wilderness. And Jesus was consumed by a mission. Jesus was confirmed, he was compelled, and he was consumed by a mission. All right? Let's begin in verse 9. That's where we picked up. Picked up last time we finished with verse 8. But he who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I baptize you with the water. He's going to come. He's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. It's going to make a big difference. It's going to be everything to you. 
that's going to radically change the way you live, breathe, understand, connect, pray, and, uh, and, and, and impact the world for, for God. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John the Baptist in the river. You start asking questions. Why did Jesus need to be baptized by John? Pastor Jeremy, didn't you say last time that uh, the baptism was a baptism of repentance? Why did Jesus come to John the Baptist? If Jesus is greater than John the Baptist, if he came in the spirit and power of Elijah and Jesus is greater than, why is he being baptized by him? Why does he need to repent? Why is, why, why is this even happening? Start asking questions. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open, the spirit descending on him like a dove. He says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Straight away, the first thing you note is prophecy fulfilled. Prophecy fulfilled. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, you got a prophecy fulfilled about Nazareth, about Galilee, that he will come out of Nazareth and out of Galilee. Then he's baptized by John. You're asking why? Why does Jesus need to be baptized by John? If that baptism, as Pastor Jeremy explained last week, was a baptism of repentance, what on earth was Jesus repenting about? Why did Jesus have to repent if he did not sin, if he himself is God? He was baptized by John. The reason was because he was identifying with believers, all who would come to him, his nation, the nation of Israel, and his people, the body of Christ, across the world, across time, he was identifying with them. You see, the whole the whole process of identification has to begin with repentance. Do you remember last week? You start with repentance and leads to salvation. You start with repentance and leads to salvation. Many Christians think they're saved, but they're never repented. Many people think they're uh, in the Lord. Many think that people they think they're going to heaven simply because certain things are in place. But it starts with repentance. And if Jesus is going to identify with you, if he's going to show himself as in your place, then he's, he needs to submit himself to the process submit himself to the process so in Matthew chapter 3 verse 14 and 15 he says it is proper it is proper for us to do this you see John was saying like why are you coming to me I, I, I can't baptize you I just told them you are greater than me I just told them you're not I'm not worthy to tie your shoelace now why are you coming to me to be baptized and he's like just do this it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness Jesus was willing to go all the way to take the blame. He was willing to go all the way to even look like he needed to repent because that's identification with you. Did he need to re repent? No. Did he have sin? No. Jesus was going to become your sin, identify with you so fully, his people so fully that from the very outset he's like, they're my people. If they have sinned, I'm in with them. I'll take the blame. I'll take the hit. I'll take the hit. I'll come back to this in just a bit. And then we have the heavens opened. And S on the end means it is plural. And if you have been studying Hebrews with me in the home, home group, you remember that Jesus, the high priest, went through the heavens. And I explained there that the Bible talks about three heavens. One is the atmospheric heaven right around you, the sky, the atmosphere, oxygen, the blue around us. And then you've got all of space Space, just space. You got matter, then you got space. And then you have the third heaven, which the Bible says is the abode of God, where not God lives, but where God is. That's almost outside of our reality. It's beyond our dimension. So what we're saying is, in that moment, as Jesus came out of the water, heaven one was torn open, heaven two was torn open, and heaven three was torn open. And between, in that moment, as Jesus obeyed in that very first 
step of identification with you, he looked up and the father sending the Holy Spirit upon him, in that moment there was a trinity affection. There was a, there was a glimpse for us into the trinity as Jesus on earth in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is coming on him to impact him for ministry. And he looks up and through the first heaven torn open, through the second heaven thrown, torn open, through time and space and all 56 dimensions of physics and breaking through, he goes into the very presence of God. And in that moment, time and eternity, death and life, matter and spirit, darkness and light, God and man, there was a bridge, the gap was closed, and Jesus made that connect. In that moment when Jesus came out of the water, heaven opened, the heavens opened, and looked straight on Jesus, and God the Father, the voice came from heaven saying, this is my son, he's come from me. This is my son, he's come from me, in whom I am well pleased in whom I am well pleased. Don't dismiss it so easily. Look carefully, think carefully, because this changes the trajectory of your entire life. This changes where you spend your eternity. Believing this one thing makes all the difference on heaven, in heaven and on earth. All this is happening between God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. John the baptizer does not know what's happening. He isn't seeing all of this heaven being open. He isn't hearing any of this. This is a glimpse into the fellowship of the Trinity that God gives through revelation. Mark seems to suggest that only Jesus saw this, heaven being open, torn open, the Spirit of God ascending of what looked like a dove. So the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus like an anointing, like an anointing. But why does he need the Holy Spirit? He's Jesus. He is God. 30 years till now, all right, he's 30. He's just entering into and beginning his ministry. 30 years, he lived a flawless life. He lived a, a, a holy life, a sinless life without the help of the Holy Spirit. Why does he need it now? Because it's a partnership. The gospel is a partnership. The gospel was a partnership between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God came down on him, not because he needed him, but because they've always worked together. They have always been in fellowship, and they're reaching the world together. Together. They said, Jesus even uh, ratified that. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. 30 years he didn't need him. Now they are in a partnership. So Jesus gave the word. He proclaimed the word. The Holy Spirit opened the hearts. Have you met people who just can't believe in God? They have no interest. They have no hunger. Their eyes are not open. Their hearts are hardened. Well, the Holy Spirit will not open their heart. It's the Holy Spirit that has not chosen to let them see that Jesus is the one come from God. When the Holy Spirit opens a person's heart and opens a person's eyes, all of reason can't convince him or otherwise that Jesus is the Son of God. So God the Father is saying, this is my son. He's affirming him, he is, which means he has come from me. He didn't say he's my child. He didn't say he's my baby. He is my son. That means he has come on my behalf. He has come from me. I begat him. And, that, and secondly, I am pleased with his work. I'll talk about that in just a bit. I'll talk about that in just a bit. So God the Father is ratifying who he's validating. He's affirming the son. And when you and I come to faith in the fact, God, you're right. He came from you. He went to the cross. He paid my sin. He died and rose again. In that moment, I am saved. By that confession, I am saved. Because I believe that, I am saved. Not because I'm this religion or that religion. 
Not because I'm good or bad. Not because I, I'm weak or I'm strong. Not because I'm one ethnicity or another. It's because I believe God the Father in what he says about Christ the Son. So Jesus gives the word. He proclaims. But do I believe? The Holy Spirit opens my heart to believe. So pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he may open the hearts of those who will believe. Pray for 800 first time, first generation believers. Those who will know and hear the voice of God and say, oh God, you are right. Father God, you are right. I believe this one is from you. This one is from you. It hasn't changed for us. We too proclaim the gospel. Right now, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to proclaim it. And the Holy Spirit will work in your life. So it's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Today, it's me and the Holy Spirit. It's you and the Holy Spirit. You proclaim, you witness, and God does the rest. God the Spirit does the rest. We proclaim the good news. And the same Holy Spirit opens the hearts of those who will be saved. Does God choose people to be saved? Yes. Do people choose to be, get saved? Yes. Deal with it. So we cannot also hope to live a gospel-centric life. Say it with me. A gospel-centric life. We cannot hope to live a gospel-centric life apart from the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is not in charge, your body is. If the Holy Spirit is not drawing you to the word, your body is drawing you away from the word. Your body. Don't, 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 don't bring Satan into this. Satan has got nothing to he, He's only going to get interested if you're being used by God. If you're being an impact, if you're being a witness, if you're changing lives around you, if you're, if you're uh, uh, evidencing spiritual fruit, then only is Satan going to get involved with you. Otherwise, his job is not to make, give you a hard day. Uh, he's not interested in you. He's only interested in those who are uh, a, 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 a problem with the gospel, a, an offense on the gospel, for the gospel. So the Holy Spirit, uh, sorry, the devil will only get involved when you are a threat to his purposes. Other than that, either the Holy Spirit is leading you or your body is leading. Should I go to church? Should I read the Bible right now? Should I wake up and make my spiritual disciplines the most important thing in my life? Should this be sacred or should it not be sacred? Should I sleep with my uh, uh, significant other before marriage? Should I get involved with the world and look and sound and act and smell like the world and act like them and do like them? Should I live a life of compromise? Everything I do, either my body is deciding or the Spirit of God is deciding. Either my body is deciding or the Spirit of God is deciding. If I am not led by the Spirit, I will fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5. If I am led by the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's not a fight. It's not a fight. There's only one steering wheel and only one person is at the steering wheel. Either it's the Holy Spirit or it is my body the flesh. And my greatest enemy is not my cousin, not my colleague, not my, uh, my competition. My greatest enemy is the flesh. And I need to beat my flesh into submission. This is not the sermons you'll hear on TV. This is not the sermons that you're going to hear what is known as motivational. No, no, no. I don't want to motivate you. Jesus died on the cross. That should be enough. What I want us to understand is that it is hard work to get up in the morning and to spend time with the Lord. It is hard work 
to lead our family in prayer. It is hard work to encourage, it takes courage to share the gospel with people. So a voice, word, language, cognitive, revelation, God speaks and God has always spoken, not in mysteries, not in mysteries, not in symbols, not in codes. He's spoken in plain word, plain word. And a voice came from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. God was affirming that he's the appointed one. He is the anointed one. This guy is the mediator between man and God. You want to come back to me? You come through him. I listen to him. If you're in him, you're in. If you're not in him, you're not in him. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. In this we know that we are the children of God. He is the only one. He is the one I will accept. If you're in him, you are okay. Jesus constantly lived his life to please the father. Always he wanted the father's pleasure. And here God is saying, I take great pleasure in him. I stopped. I stopped at that part. And I said to myself, that's something hard for me to accept. You're telling your son, not child, Son, the one come from you. He's telling the son, I'm pleased with you. What are you pleased about? He hasn't started ministry. The Holy Spirit has just come upon him. The three years of ministry is yet to begin. Nothing has happened. He hasn't died for me. He hasn't uh, uh, shed his blood for me yet. He hasn't done anything yet. So what are you happy about? What are you happy about? What, is, what pleases you? I stop to think. I stop to ask. Isaiah 53 verse 5 and 6 says, But he was pierced. For our transgressions. He was pierced for our transgressions. When was he pierced? When was Jesus pierced? Take a deep breath. Fill your lungs with, lungs with oxygen. When was he pierced? Hanging on the cross. Right at the end. After the hours of hanging on the cross. He was pierced. Okay. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. For our iniquities. Underline. Upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. Upon him, God placed the punishment of So hang on a minute. God the Father, you're saying to him, I'm pleased with you. And in, in a few, in three years from now, you're going to pour out anger against him. You're going to, so you're pleased that he's taken your anger. You're pleased that he's going to go to the cross. You're pleased that you're going to be, that he's going to be pierced. Lord, why would you be pleased with that? Why would you take pleasure in that, upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, everyone has done his own thing. Everyone has gone his own way. And the Lord, underlined, has laid on him. The Lord has upon him, laid on him. Upon him, laid on him. The Lord has taken all my sin, all my lying, all my fornication, all my my blackness, my thoughts, everything that was vile between me and God, God took it all 2,022 years ago and God laid it on Jesus. Father, why are you pleased with the son? Because he was willing to take it on himself. Yeah, but still, why are you pleased? He would have to take all the wrath, not anger, wrath of God. Because if my sin is placed on him, he would become the beneficiary. He would become the recipient of that anger. 
He would become the recipient of that anger. He would have to stand between God the Father and me. And as God laid out all his anger, he would take my sin and destroy, burn it up, hit it, consume it. And that meteor would just burn up in the middle of space before it hits earth. Are you getting the picture? And suddenly I find that the anger of God doesn't reach me. Because Jesus stood in the middle and covered me and took it. And God the Father says to God the Son, I'm pleased with you. What is he pleased about? He hasn't done anything great. No merit. What is he pleased about? He's pleased that he's standing there in the flesh. And in the flesh means he can die. And if he can die, he's going to. And if he's going to, then God can have me back. Me back. Brothers and sisters, if you knew me, you wouldn't talk to me. If you knew my heart, you wouldn't talk to me. You wouldn't be my friend, much less listen to my preaching. If you knew my mind, if you knew what I was capable of, if you knew me as just Jeremy Dawson who deserves death and hell, uh, no one is more deserving of hell than I am. If you knew me, you wouldn't talk to me. But God was pleased with Christ's son because Christ the Son was willing to take everything of Jeremy Dawson and burn it up on the cross and, and, and consume it on the cross and take the heat of all God's anger that was meant for me. He took it and there's nothing left of his anger. Justice is complete. His holiness has been met. His holy righteous laws have been met. And I stand there and the meteor is burned up and the sun is shining again. And God the Father has me back. Now I have a way back to the Father. And I can go and I'm, I can embrace the Father. I can come running home like the prodigal. And I can say, Father, will you forgive me? I've already done that. But what about all my, I've already covered it. But Father, what about my nakedness? It's covered. What about my sin? It's paid for. Come on, come on back home. Come on back home. That is why the Father was pleased with Jesus. That is why the Father was pleased with Jesus. Because in the flesh, it was as good as done. It was as good as done. Jesus being God, it was as good as done. He was going to go to the cross. Hell couldn't stop him from going to the cross. He was going to shed his blood. Hell could not pay. Satan couldn't stop him no matter how much he tried. And he was going to rise again from the dead. Heaven couldn't wait for him. And today, God the Father has Christ the Son and you. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The gospel is about God the Father. Putting his son between me and his wrath. It's about Christ taking the wrath of God from away from me. And it pleased God that Christ did this. It greatly pleased God that Christ did this for us. And now God can forgive sin because the price is paid and reconcile us not just for now but for eternity. Therefore, when you acknowledge that Jesus stood between you and God's wrath and took the hit and took the punishment for all your, 
already done sin and all you're going to do sin. And for your whole life, he covered you with love everlasting. In the moment that you believe that, you have eternal life from now. So let's say this is your life. Born, die. Born, die. In the moment that you believe, you get eternal life from here. So from here onwards, from here onwards, maybe you're 15, maybe you're 25, maybe you're 41. From this point onwards, you are in the flesh, Jesus standing there, and the heavens are open. You have the Holy Spirit, and you have a direct connect to God the Father. You are now in life with God. You are now, you have eternal life forever. So you're not going to get eternal life when you stand in some vague sort of kangaroo court, some vague sort of judgment on some day when you don't know what will be the outcome. I know whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which concerns me unto him against that day. Today I have eternal life. Today, if I drop dead in front of you right now, I will close my eyes and I will open it and I will see my Jesus. Today, I can enjoy the Spirit of God with me. Today, and for the rest of my life, I can live without guilt, without curse, without uh, pain, without suffering, uh, the, without meaning in pain and suffering. Today, I can begin my eternal life as I give my life to Jesus today. As I believe the Father saying, you sent him, I believe you. I believe if you sent him, I believe you. And this is what you sent him for, I will trust him. Whoever believes in the Son of God, read it with me. Whoever believes in the Son of God has eternal Read it with me. I need it as well. Whoever believes in the Son of God has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But what? The wrath of God remains on him. So either Jesus consumes and stands in the way and takes the wrath... Or, so the moment you say, Jesus, get out, he does. And you open yourself to. So nobody's going to go to hell for their sin. Nobody's going to go to the hell for their sin. They're going to go to hell because they rejected God's escape for sin, for hell. Jesus was commissioned by God the Father. He was confirmed by God the Father. Jesus was compelled by the Holy Spirit. He was compelled by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. You're going to love this. Let me take five minutes and explain this and then I'm done. The Spirit immediately drove him. As soon as he finished the baptism, he took him into the wilderness and he started to tempt him. Satan started to tempt him. Why, Lord? Why did he do that? The New Living Translation says compelled. ESV says driven or drove him. Basically, the Holy Spirit now began to lead his ministry and he followed his ministry. All three of the Trinity was present. He went into the wilderness Wilderness, where there were wild animals and angels were ministering to him. What was he doing there? He was being prepared. He was being prepared. So if you're studying Hebrews with me, we talked about how Jesus made man had to be prepared to be a good counselor for you, a good therapist for you, a good uh, comforter for you, a good paraclete, someone who comes alongside and encourages you. To understand you, to be a good high priest for you, he must himself experience temptation. He must know what it's like to be 
overcome by lust or lies or anger or resentment or unforgiveness. He must know what it's like to be filled with rage. He must know what it's like to be human and to be broken and to be limited. So Jesus was taken into the wilderness for 40 days to be treated by the devil in every possible temptation. It was a preparation time for a perfect priesthood. He was tempted in all things, yet without sin. 40 days he was an open target to Satan. Satan couldn't touch him when he was on the throne. Satan couldn't go anywhere near when he was in power. But this God who he hates and has always hated since his fall, that Jesus has now come down and he's in the form of a man and he's weak and he's open and he's in the wilderness and he is an open target and Satan's going to take his best shot. Satan is going to take his trip. Satan is going to destroy him while he's in that moment of weakness. Ha! You're going to regret this. You have now become influenceable. You have now come in within my influence. God in the flesh, an open target. At his weakest, most vulnerable form, Jesus stood there, walked about in the wilderness 40 days. And temptation came at him. Listen to me. Listen to this. Temptation came at him, not when he was in church, not in the middle of a worship experience, not in the middle of, you know, wonderful family prayer with a strong praying family around him. Not with a wonderful spouse that encourages and blesses and, and covers you with prayer. Jesus was hungry in the wilderness. He was tempted when he was hungry. He was tempted when he was alone. He was tempted when he was vulnerable. He was tempted when he was threatened. He was tempted when he was exposed. He was tempted when he was unguarded. He was at his weakest worst when he met his greatest temptations and he won. And he won. Satan couldn't get to him. Satan couldn't get to him. Why? Because he had a strong home group. Because he had a good small group. Because he was, because he was in covenant life. Because he had the latest, newest version on his version app. Huh? Is that why? No. Because he knew the word of God. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every... Word. Man shall not win by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth. And there in the wilderness, hungry alone, rejected and dejected, absolutely in the dark, absolutely alone, as weak and vulnerable as one a man can be, he was stronger. He was stronger than the devil himself. Stronger than the devil himself. You notice one, two things that that God didn't take away. He still had the Holy Spirit with him and he had angels. You have the Holy Spirit and you have angels. You have the Holy Spirit. You have believers. You have the word. You have encouragement. You have accountability. You have worship. You have music. You have reminders. You have small group and you have telegram. Whatever you're going through, my brothers and sisters, whatever you're going through, Jesus understands. He knows. And Jesus can carry you through that. Not with judgment, but he can carry you through that with empathy and understanding. Jesus knows. Jesus understands. 
The gospel is that Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus means savior. The savior is here. That is the gospel. He hadn't died yet. He hadn't died yet. He says, believe the gospel. He hadn't died yet. He hadn't given his life. But he is here. And if he's here, he's here to forgive. He's here to heal. He's here to restore. He's here to free you. What are you struggling with? Are you struggling with unbelief? Are you struggling with a relationship that you can't break out of? Are you struggling with a sin that makes you feel terrible time after time again? Are you struggling with a sickness? Are you struggling with a curse? Maybe it's curses in your family and it's carried over. Are you struggling to break free of certain patterns or religious traditionality? What are you struggling with? What can you not take to Jesus this, this morning? Answer nothing. Nothing. The whole thing, everything is the good news that Jesus is reconciling, restoring, renewing, and reviving. From sickness to curses, bondage to failure, from guilt to fear, in one word, he takes it all from you. Every day, he takes it from you. And in the end, he would have taken it from you completely. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness. Think about darkness and connect anything you want to darkness. I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness. In him was life, and that life was the life of men. Just think about this as I close. The gospel is not what you get from Jesus. It is Jesus. Now you have Jesus. Jesus is here. You have everything because you have him. And that was God's will for you, that you should have Jesus. That is what God wanted for you. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Just take a few moments and say, Lord, in this entire sermon, this is what I understood. Help me believe it. Help me figure it out. Help me think through it. Help me make the decisions or the, the, the adjustments to my life that are required. This is the word of God. And the word of God needs to be met with a heart of belief. What is God saying to you today? What does he want you to do? Maybe you're starting absolutely afresh and you're saying, God, I've never acknowledged that Jesus came from you and that he was your plan to take all your anger towards me and that it was your plan to have me back. And that's what you want. My salvation is not what I need. It's what you want. Wow. Oh God, today I bow my knee to Jesus Christ. Today I acknowledge him as both Lord and Savior. Savior because he died for me. Lord because he rose again. In your own words, pray to God. Tell him your decision today. Make a commitment and stick to him. Stick to him.